Welcome back. It's Saturday night. Sydney lockdown continues, but the football talk is always here because we got to entertain people and we got to entertain ourselves. Tom, how are you? Yeah, very well. Went for my hourly walk that I'm allowed outside, obviously masked up and everything. Um, during the week or during no lockdown, no one is out in the park. No one walks at all. During lockdown, every single person is out there walking and exercising. So maybe this COVID thing is good for everyone's health. They're actually getting out and doing stuff. Uh, looking at the colour of your skin, mate, you could do it with a bit more sun. So keep those walks up. And I've got KM, who's actually my football coach. All right, Larry. Good, mate. Um, do you miss seeing me at training? Can you tell everyone what a majestic footballer I am? I, I do miss seeing you at training. I do miss training, actually. Um, you know, it's good to get out and about. Majestic is a strong yeah, I, word, I, I, man. I've seen Larry play. That, that's a stretch calling him majestic. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. um, Fair it's, enough. You know, you know when, when, when players make those simple passes and you don't, it, like, and it just means nothing, when Larry does it, it's, oh, Amazing. I sure can't believe off. it. That, that, that's just insulting. So anyone who can see KM here, um, he is wearing a Real Madrid shirt. And what we thought we would do today is something a little bit different. Many great players have done both the shirts of Real Madrid and Manchester United. So we thought, let's look at those players. Let's assess their what they did and how they contributed to both great football clubs. And then we can decide which version the Man United or the Real Madrid version, would you be taking into your side? And Rob says here already with a good evening. Evening to you, Rob. Hope you're staying warm. And hope, I hope you're not in a singlet, Rob. Last time you were on, I was concerned. I remember the – and then we've got Vin here, though. I remember the one time me and Larry played football together. I'll end that thought there. You know why you'll end that thought there, Vin? Because, again, you were blown away by my skills that you just can't remember it. It's almost like – you mesmerized. I understand. I understand. And boy, by the way, boys, you, I got both my... Both you finished on the bench. Both you and Vin finished on the bench that match. I wasn't even on the bench. I was passed out. It was 40 degrees. <laughs> it was warm. It was warm. Ridiculous. All right. Well, before we get, actually rip in, I do want to highlight KM is probably the finest football, second finest football that have come out of Egypt behind Mo Salah. So <laughs> let me just put that out there. But let's go straight into it, lads. And I actually want to start with a, one who's probably well-renowned, one of our favourite players who just makes you feel warm and fuzzy when you talk about him, Angel Di Maria. Um, KM, I think you will obviously speak more fondly of him, but can you just tell us how good was Angel Di Maria for Real Madrid and how is he thought of amongst that fan base? Yeah. Uh, Di Maria, man, he what a player, what a player. He he did everything. He did everything right at Madrid. Um, when he first came, he was a bit unknown, obviously uh, coming coming from you know lower leagues, I guess, and um, and there was a, a lot of question marks around if he could do it at Madrid because a lot of players do come to Madrid, and a lot of players talk about the pressure at, at this club, and and obviously probably very similar at United. Um, pressure can get to a lot of players. But he just turned it up straight away. The you know his his goal record wasn't crazy, uh, but that's not what he was there to do. He was there for to assist and create chances, and he was there during at the start with uh, Mourinho and under counter attacking football, and, and his pace and vision and his execution, it was it was amazing. You know the if if you go back and look at some clips of the uh, counter attacking football that Madrid had, it was. It, it was ridiculous how smooth and how fluid it was. Um, amongst the supporters, he was very loved. Uh, I think, you know, when he left, because he left at the same time that Ozil left. Um, and Ozil's, Ozil leaving was a bit of a, you know, hard one. But when Di Maria left, 
I think the the whole fan base was quite upset, quite shocked that we let him go. Um, yeah, definitely a fan favourite, 100%. He, he's a majestic footballer <laughs> like you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think I think that's fair comparing me to Di Maria, though he's not quite <laughs> not quite to my standard. But what actually amazes me, and I want to ask you before I take it over to Tom, the thing that led to him coming to United, he put in a man of the match performance in the Champions League. I remember that he was. He, I think he had two assists. He was definitely man of the match. I know, and that was La, La Decima, um, if I remember correctly. So, and that was the one that Real Madrid fans really were dying for for years. And to think your best player just suddenly got sold. Do you know why he actually left Real Madrid? Do we do we know why that actually happened at the time? Well, I don't. I don't think we know. Like if there was, if there was, you know, background or back, you know, dressing room issues or anything like that, or issues with the president. Not that. Not that anything that was released. Um, he left on very good terms. Uh, everyone kind of loved him. The club loved him. Uh, he had a good farewell. I think it was more so Madrid at the time, 2014, when he left, they were bringing in a lot of different players. Um, and just, I think it was just a changing of the guard, really. And um, yeah, I, I don't think there was anything to it besides like a, a, a business decision. Uh, but he definitely, yeah, that La Decima performance, he, um, yeah, it was, it was something that we don't forget. <laughs> Well, something United fans don't forget is actually when he, when he came over. And, and, Tom, it was a record fee at the time for Manchester United. I, I, I want to say £72 million, but there was always this rumour around did he actually want to come to United? He was heavily linked with PSG at the time. He comes in. Let's talk about, let's talk about a positive about him first. That goal against Leicester, one of the be- best pet passages of football I think I've ever seen. Well, that Leicester City game, if that didn't happen or if that went the right way, Louis van Gaal will still be in a job. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we would have won a couple of titles by now. But the way that sort of we fell off a cliff in that second half and Jamie Vardy made a name for himself, yeah, the less said about that game, the better. But in that start, when Dean Marie first came into the club, there was a feel-good vibe because it obviously came off the back of the David Moyes sort of disaster. Suddenly we'd signed all these players. We signed Radamel Falcao and signed players like that. We signed Dean Maria. There was a feel-good factor and he started quite well quite well to his standards or whatever. He scored a couple of goals and a couple of assists and he was kind of used in a almost a central midfield position under Louis Van Gaal almost. We almost played a little bit of a diamond um, in the midfield. So he was getting on the ball a lot and dictating play. Then ultimately, I don't know what it was, whether it was the Manchester winter kicked in and he just sort of realised, yes, this isn't the place I ideally wanted to be. He did want to be at PSG and that had a toll on his performances. There was the issue there, which um, Vin has mentioned in the comments before, saying about the house being broken into. And that affected him and his family. And look, there's no doubt Kane's right. In terms of his ability, he's a fantastic footballer. He still is one of the best footballers when he gets on the ball. But to uh, to make it at Manchester United and to make it in the Premier League, you need to be better than a good footballer. You need to have more about you than that. And unfortunately for Dean Maria and his sake, he didn't have what it sort of what it takes to make it at Man United. Is it he didn't have what it takes to make it a Man United? Okay, and let me ask you, was his personality ever questioned at Real Madrid? Because under Van Gaal, he, he was sort of moved all around the pitch. He started really well, then his house got broken into, and then he caught his he, I remember there was a game he was used as striker, which baffled a lot of United fans. He, he got played on the left wing, got played on the right wing, he got played in midfield. Is it that Van Gaal didn't know how to get the best out of Di Maria and that unsettled him, or do you actually think maybe, no, that there was a personality issue and it maybe just didn't settle in Manchester? 
Yeah, I think I was going to ask Tom the same question or, or something along the lines of, <clears throat> do you think it could have been off the field issues or or maybe just not figuring out how to use him? Because um, I think if you're, if you're good enough to play at Madrid, you're definitely good enough to play at United and vice versa. Um, so I don't think it's a question of, of ability. Um, at Madrid, they definitely got the best out of him. He played in the one spot. We didn't, he didn't move around. He, he, there, were, there were times where we played a diamond and he was part of the diamond, but usually he was just part of that right wing spot. Um, I think I think definitely at United, uh, you know, there was obviously a few issues with Louis van Gaal as well, um, tactically and, and from an outside perspective. Anyway, you guys could tell me differently. But I think, yeah, moving him around in positions, definitely he's not a striker. That's that's for sure. He's not a central midfielder. Um, he he definitely performs on the wing 100% better. Obviously, off field issues. You know, at the end of the day, I think we always we, we tend to forget that players are humans, uh, and when you you know your house is getting broken into, and there's you know obviously issues there, it can get into the player's mindset. Um, I, I think it was probably. I I don't think it was an ability. I don't think it was due to his ability because he's tearing it up for PSG. He tore it up for Madrid, for Argentina, even just recently in the Copa. He was one of their best players. So I don't know if it was an ability issue, um, but to be honest, I didn't watch. I mean, I don't watch United as much as I watch Madrid, so you could tell me differently. But I, I don't know if it's in purely on ability or purely to say, you know, he wasn't good enough because I, th- I think he is definitely good enough. He's he's a world-class player. He's, he's not oh, yeah. a good player. I think he's world-class. Look, look, definitely in regards to, yeah, you can't question his ability. You're just, just seeing him at the Copa America score and that sort of winning it for Argentina as well. So he's still doing it now. And we're talking about when he went to United, what was it, six years ago? It feels like a lifetime ago. It, it is those off-field issues. And that's not to criticise. Some players do. We've spoken before on the podcast about we love all these foreign players who come in and take to United and they perform. But when you actually sit back and look at it, it's very rare that they do. Not many players do come in from a foreign country and become sort of even great players, but especially United legends. It's a very rare thing. So you can't go over the board of criticising Di Maria for not doing that. That when United fans, we do see other players come in and do it, you think, well, why can't they do that? But we are selfish as fans and we forget that, yeah, they are human. And look, Di Marie didn't settle in Manchester and whether that was ultimately part of, well, he never wanted to come to Manchester. He obviously wanted the PSG move. That move didn't come through and United were the ones who were able to match Real Madrid's evaluation and give, give Real Madrid the money. So that forced his hand and um, he eventually got his move a year later. But um, which is the wrong time. If he came in under Sir Alex Ferguson, Larry, do you think that would have been different? Because Sir Alex Ferguson had that man to management. He might have trialed a different Louis van Gaal, as great as a manager as he was. Maybe one of his weaknesses was working with some of those sort of maybe foreign talents. I say it in hindsight now, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. I think van Gaal was over the hill when he joined Manchester United. Just his mentality. Like, we've seen it time and time again. Footballers now are not what they were 10, 15 years ago. Not all of them are battle-hardened, Roy Keane personality types. And I think that was the thing. He needed an arm around him, and whereas Van Hal just tried to show him tough love. But, yeah, he definitely would have worked out under Sir Alex. And you know what? He still popped up with he, – he had the most assists for United despite being pulled in and out and playing out of position. 12 assists. Um, we will re- move on from Angel Di Maria. No debate here. I think it's the Real Madrid version that we can all agree was the better player. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> All right. Um, should we even talk about Michael Owen? I don't want to talk about Michael Owen. I don't like Michael Owen. KM, do you like Michael Owen? I think Michael Owen is my most hated footballer. I can't stand the guy. Um, if you look at his numbers and his stats and what he accomplished in Madrid, it wasn't too bad. But as a as a player, I mean, look, he 
he and I'll stand by this for the rest of my life. He robbed Raul of the Ballon d'Or in 2001, and I can't forgive him for it. Um, so because of that, I can't I can't talk highly of him at all. I don't think Man United fans, I don't think Liverpool fans, <laughs> to be honest, like no him one too likes much him. Either. Yeah, that's the thing. Michael Owen tries to sort of attach himself, especially back to Liverpool. He's doing his hardest in terms of his PR and media work to get Liverpool fans to like him. Liverpool fans don't really want him. We sort of have our five minutes of grace sort of saying, oh, he won the title with us. So we kind of like him, but really deep down, we've got no real feelings for him. Um, as the KM said, Real Madrid, don't, there's no love lost there. So he's in a weird spot, Michael Owen. Um, and long may it continue because it is funny to see it unfold on social media. He's sort of trying to attach himself to whoever he can, but no one really wants him. Look, the, the final thing I'll say on Michael Owen is the team that scores the most goals generally does win the game. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, but I think that sums up Michael Owen. Well, Let's be move. Fair, before you move on, but to be fair, yeah. in regards to Man United, it is one of the great moments that he has provided us. That goal against City, that you can't take that away from me. That moment goes down in Manchester United history as one of the great goals. He does, but he's a scouser. No one likes him. Um, <laughs> anyway, we, we do move on. Um, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Now, this will create a good debate, I think. Let's just go through the stats a little bit. For Manchester United, 0-2 to 0-6, 150 apps, 95 goals. And then, um, sorry, I've definitely butchered that. I need to check my numbers. But um, with um, – no, sorry, that is right. What am I looking at? Uh, and then with Madrid, we've got 68 appearances, 46 goals. So didn't play as much for Real Madrid, but Tom, I'll bring it to you first. How good was Van Nistelrooy? And is he one of those players where, do you think it's just a generational thing where people perhaps just didn't get the opportunity to see him play? Because I've never seen, I know we'll obviously talk about many other great strikers throughout this video, naturally, but I don't think I've seen a purer finisher than Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, look, I'll look back at some names at United who have had in the past, whether it be Cantona, Andy Cole, Wayne Rooney, Ronaldo, Edison Cavani, Ibrahimovic, whoever. The best strike I've ever seen at United, Ruud van Nistelrooy, without doubt. Um, it's, it's never a debate for me. He's the best finisher I've seen. And if I'm saying it, Man United, look, there have been tremendous world-class talents around the world. Look, you just have to look at some of the players at Real Madrid. But if I'm saying he's the best striker I've seen at Real Madrid, at Man United, he has to be one of the best strikers of all time. Yes, sometimes you can look at his longevity and what was he a legend in that sort of aspect. But when the ball fell to him inside the box, it was a goal. He was absolutely lethal. He, was, he had everything to his game. People just think, oh, he was a tap-in merchant. And that's the sort of the phrase that gets thrown out there. No, he had so much. You just look at the goal against Fulham. Um, he could match mm. it physically with the Arsenal, the battles he had with some of the Arsenal players like Martin Keown and Patrick Vieira. So he could match it physically in England. And, um, yeah, the best striker I've ever seen at Old Trafford. And, yeah, one literally one of my favourite players growing up. Absolutely loved him. KM, what did you think of the, the signing? Obviously, we were younger at the time, but even as a child, you would have had to know like what a player you're getting in. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, I, I started watching Madrid in 99, 2000, and I was very, very young. So by the time Van Nistelrooy came along, I kind of knew a little bit more about the sport and about football. He, he came to Madrid. He was 30 years old when he signed for Madrid, which is quite surprising to a lot of people. Like, he's quite old. For, for a signing to Madrid. I mean, we've got Real Madrid has a policy now. If you're over 32 or 33, you're only getting a one-year extension, hence the whole Ramos issue, um, why he's gone, kind of gone. But 68 games, 46 appearances, it's a, it's a goal-to-game ratio of 1.47. Like, he's scoring every 1.47 games, which is which is actually a better ratio than, than United. I mean, obviously, he played a lot more games for United, so it's tough to take that 
that number into you know full consideration. Um, he had ankle surgery as well when he was at Madrid, so he, he was older. He was definitely more injury prone, but as a pure striker uh, or pure finisher, I, I think you know Tappy Merchant's definitely not the right <laughs> the right way to talk about him. I think he's one of the best eighteen yard box players you, you'll ever see. Um, he and he. When he was at Madrid, 06 to 10, he, that was the that was kind of what we call the dark era of Real Madrid, where we did nothing, we won nothing, we kept losing to Leon in the round of 16. Somehow we kept uh, kept drawing round uh, Leon in the round of 16, and we couldn't beat him. But and it wasn't a really good squad to be honest. Fernando Gago, if you guys remember that guy, he, he was our starting center mid. If if Gago is your starting center mid, you don't have a great team. So <laughs> he he played in a pretty subpar team. But carried Madrid, and I think he was his. I think that's where you got to look at it when, like, with his time at Madrid, rather than his numbers, is that he single-handedly was scoring the goals. Um, Raúl was at the end of his at the end of his career at Madrid. He was kind of on a decline, massive decline. Um, Higuain was just signed at the end as well, and he wasn't really, you know, he was kind of missing open goals like he still is. Um, and I think, yeah, Venistro is one of the best best finishes I'd ever watched ever um I actually got a question Tom would you would you pick him over Rooney for United looking old school almost what Stralix Ferguson did when you cash him on back to the old school 4-4-2 format it was pretty much ideal um having what sort of finished where that central figure and Wayne Rooney just sort of floating around doing what he was doing and they did have a fantastic relationship the two in terms of their on-field sort of partnership they were, they were fantastic together um, the arrival of a young Cristiano Ronaldo, the Man United version, Ronaldo sort of put an end to that and a decision was ultimately made, which we'll probably get into later, where Sir Alex Ferguson chose Ronaldo and it was Ruud van Nistro who had to, had to leave. But look, I, look, there's no debate. There's two completely different players, Rooney and van Nistro, but if you both have them as a centre forward, how do you want to see the game played? Look, I think Wayne Rooney's one of our greatest ever players, but as a striker, Wayne Rooney was more than that. As a striker and a number nine, it's um, Rude Van Nistroy all day. And Rob's just put the comment up there saying, I think only ever one goal outside the box, which KM mentioned in regards to he was an 18-yard box striker. And even that one goal he scored outside the box at Old Trafford um, or for Man United, I think it was like inside the D. It was like a tap in. <laughs> the goalkeeper was out. It was inside the eight and the D on the outside. So um, it was pretty much inside the box, which is an incredible record because, Larry, you mentioned how many goals. I forget what it was. But to score all those goals inside the box is phenomenal. Mm. It's a dying art, you know, like those strikers who just have an instinct of where to be in the box. It's so rare. And I think United saw it last season. KM, you you know, you guys have the luxury of Karim Benzema, but it just shows strikers can play well into their 30s. Ibrahimovic still going at 40 because if you have that instinct, you don't need legs. You just need to know where to be and you need to finish. That's it. That's all it is. And that's why you've seen Ronaldo being able to prolong his career. And obviously we will get into Cristiano Ronaldo, but I think... United have seen it with Eddie Cavani. He's probably the, the most similar player, I can say, modern to, to what Van Nistelrooy was. Um, but we will move on um, before we obviously finish on Cristiano Ronaldo. Th- there is David Beckham to talk about. Um, now, this was a weird one because it wasn't – he kind of got forced out of Man United at the time. And prior to that, I want to say 2001, you, you want to talk about Ballon d'Ors. Beckham should have won it in 99. I'm certain of that. Like, when you talk about that treble season, and you know what? Everyone talks about Solskjaer's goals. KM, let me tell you, do, do you know who put in the crosses for the two goals that United scored against Bayern Munich? 
Who else put him in, mate? <laughs> Who else put him in? <laughs> That's it. But no one ever talks about that. It's always who's at, at the end of the goal. So let's talk about David Beckham. And what was the feeling like actually when he went to Madrid? That's what I want to know. Because at United, there was almost like this sort of a, a sadness, I want to say, amongst the fan base. But he co- he sort of got forced out. But the media around him, like that's what the, it became a circus with Beckham. He's obviously, he's gone with one of the Spice Girls in Victoria. It was just blowing up. The infamous story now about Fergie's shoe flying and hitting Beckham. He, he basically just got forced out of the club. Uh, Fergie's been on record of saying, I wanted a football man and he, he just wanted to be a superstar. What, what was it like from a Madrid perspective getting this player? Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one, right? Because like you said, because when he first came, well, when we when he first got signed, he was one of the original Galacticos that was signed. So Figo was the first, Evan Beckham, Ronaldo, Evan. They kind of followed suit. But at the time when he when he was signed, actually, there was a lot of debate because apparently, um, and and I'm pretty sure this is true, but apparently Real Madrid had the option of signing Ronaldinho or signing Beckham, and Perez at the time signed Beckham for off-field reasons for for the business for the marketing point of view for shirt sales essentially because he was more marketable than than Ronaldinho so Evan obviously Ronaldinho tears us apart in the Classico straight after and everyone kind of questions well <laughs> why did we do that for and so I think when he first got signed it was kind of like yeah great we've got Beckham who's this global superstar but we could have had Ronaldinho and I think there was a lot of uh, unrest in, in the fan base about why you would sign Ronald, uh, Beckham over Ronaldinho but personally, I love Beckham. I think Beckham was a fantastic player. Um, and, and, you know, you, you talk about Ferguson's uh, comments about Beckham. Ramon Calderon, who was uh, ex-president of Real Madrid, and mm. Fabio Capello, who was manager, actually both praise his professionalism and, and his commitment to the game. Um, Roberto Carlos praised him as one of the best uh, crosses in the world and best free, and best free kick taker that he's ever seen. And it's coming from Roberto Carlos who could, you know, score him from a million yards out. Um, <clears throat> he had a big, he had a really good and, and um, good relationship with the Brazilian players. And actually recently during the first lockdown last year, there was a, uh, the OG Ronaldo um, did a bit of a Skype or Zoom call with, with uh, ex-Real Madrid players and Beckham was one of them. And Ronaldo said, if there was any player I could have ever picked to play for Brazil alongside us, it would have been you to Beckham, which I think shows the the level that Beckham was at and his commitment to the game. Ancelotti praised him as well at PSG for his for his work rate. So, and and Beckham, I think, is one of those players that are, were underappreciated at Madrid. I was actually speaking to someone not long ago who's who's quite well versed in the football world and, and understands the game. And we're talking about Beckham and he's a Madrid supporter. And he is telling me oh, Beckham was no good at Madrid. I said, just, just go back and watch. Just go pick 10 random games that Beckham played in. And he came back and said, man, this Beckham guy is fantastic. So I think, I think there was a bit of, he, he was fantastic. His off-field influence was amazing to, for the club. Obviously his on-field uh, ability was, you know, is Beckham. Um, but I think because of, the timing and and the whole issue of Ronaldinho, a lot of people didn't enjoy at the start. Um, he didn't win too much. He won a league and a Super Cup again. But I think he, he was a fantastic player. We love. Uh, I personally love the way he plays and, and how he was as a player. Um, obviously, United fans will probably have a have a better relationship with him though. Tom, 
in in my like Beckham was the first superstar Man United had. Like when you just talk about the, the superstardom that came with him, he had the the long blonde locks, he, a ridiculous ability to put in a free kick, and his crossing, his passing ability is out of this world. I'm seeing people flopping out their dicks for Kevin De Bruyne's passing, and don't get me wrong, De Bruyne is a phenomenal footballer. But Beckham did it first. Beckham was the first player, like, you know, when you talk about Paul Scholes picking a ball, Beckham was the first player who started started this sort of, that that that, that style of passing, that, that ability to play a ball from deep. No player does it anymore. Tom, how good was David Beckham for Manchester United? Yeah, look, he goes down as a club legend and not because of the brand, not because of the superstar and the sort of the perception that we have of him, but down to his football and ability and what he achieved at United. And he achieved it what he did at United because of how good a footballer he was. And what KM said, I think he's a sort of a victim of that sort of brand that came along with him. I always make the comparison, and it's, it's a bit of a weird one now, and so sort of seeing how the career has gone. But I'm very much relating to Conor McGregor in terms of the way outsiders and casual fans treat him and people within the sport treat him. In regards to football, I mean, people inside football, they look at him and think, oh, no, he's just famous because of everything else. And people outside the game say, oh, he's the best in the world, which which wasn't the case. Now, in 99, he was very close to being one of the best in the world, but it was never quite that balance. But I think people inside the game got frustrated with the circus that came with him and the perception that came with him. And the same thing with Conor McGregor now. I think a lot of casual fans will say, oh, he's the best fighter in the world because they see everything. Well, that's not the case. And people within the fight game don't like Conor McGregor because of all the outside circus and they sort of diminish his achievements. But if you actually look at his achievements... He's, he's one of the greats. So David Beckham, I, I almost feel sorry for him. And how can you feel sorry for someone like David Beckham? But his performances and his ability as a footballer will always be overlooked because of the, I don't want to say circus in a bad way, but all of the baggage that came with him. Um, as I said, in that 1999 season, okay, Rivaldo won the Ballon d'Or with Barcelona. If it wasn't for that, David Beckham is the best player in the world. And if he's a Ballon d'Or winner, anyone in that discussion, you do need to sort of sit back and think, well, he's bloody good at football. All right, so what I'm hearing is he was good at United, undoubtedly. He was good at Madrid, but perhaps not as respected as he should have been. Which version are we taking? That's an easy answer, that one. Look, look, it came it's pretty much alluded to it, but, yeah, people in the comments have said the same thing. It's, yeah. You could argue he had his prime years at Real Madrid. You could argue that. I think I think he won. I think you know what, what he did at United was was more important for sure um, on the field anyway. Actually, you know, you talk about the circus and the influence. You, you might I don't remember the player, and you might you might know who it is. Uh, he was a United player, and I was reading in his articles or one of his books or something. I can't remember the player, but he said the, the circus that came with Beckham actually helped the team because all the pressure was always on him, and the rest of the guys could just go out and do what they do and know if. They had a good game, bad game. It was, you know, the, the spotlight was on Beckham, which is something that I don't think people realize at that top level. <clears throat> You're talking about United, Madrid. These are super clubs. They're not. They're not just big clubs. They're super, super clubs. And I think that someone taking away all the pressure lets you play your game. Even someone having all that pressure and still performing, I think it shows. I don't know if you know who that player was. That said, I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I might have seen the quote because I remember. This, I remember that sort of theory, not theory, but that, that sort of line coming out. And I think that's the case. I think every great team does need that because different teams have different personalities. Some players can handle the pressure, and I think that is what makes these players like a David Beckham or a Cristiano Ronaldo, the ones who have that pressure, but then can also deal with it. 
we look at other players who come in and have that attention, have that pressure on them, and they sort of cave a little bit. The players like Cantona, Ronaldo, Beckham, they embraced it and it actually fueled them. And other players would have benefited from that because they think, well, hang on, there's a lot of pressure around here. If we lose, it'll be Beckham's fault. If we lose, yeah. no, no one will talk about me, so I'll be okay. I'll go play my own game without that fear. So, yeah, no, I've no doubt that is a case for certain players and especially in a team with people like Beckham and Cristiano Ronaldo. You know what? I think this is why United fans hate Angel Di Maria, KM. And it's, it's because you look at Beckham and what he went through, like the hatred for the guy after the World Cup in 98 was ridiculous. They were hanging they were hanging voodoo dolls and lighting it on fire. And then he comes out and he has his best ever season for United. Like that just shows you. Like I know, And you know what, Tom, you compared him to McGregor and I agree with a lot of that. Though, you know what? Beckham is the most boring interview there is. Like, he's just so media trained. Bloody hell. Like, he, Victoria must have sat him down on the third date and said, all right, listen, you're going to date me? So here's what you're not telling the media. That just <laughs> left, you know, what socks are you wearing? Seriously, that's about all you're going to get. But it just shows you, like, how mentally tough he was. Bloody hell, good player. I think there's no debate there. It is Beckham. All right, this is the one we all want to talk about. Cristiano Ronaldo. Bloody hell, what a footballer this guy is. And I think with this one, we should paint a story because the way he gets signed by United is poetic in itself. He was on the radar. He he puts John O'Shea on toast as a 17-year-old in, in a trial game. And then Fergie refuses to leave Lisbon without having that signature done. Tom, Cristiano Ronaldo, the player, before he, he comes to United, makes his debut off the bench against Bolton. What did you think that player was when he was getting signed? What did you think we were signing? Because that will then bring us to what he actually is now. Well, what I thought we'll sign, and I mentioned on the podcast I did the other week with Lewis, the Brazilian podcast, if anyone wants to go back and watch that. My thoughts when we signed him, I thought we'll sign in R9 and Brazilian Ronaldo because Carson went back to when it was in 2002. It wasn't like this with Twitter and fast broadband internet. The internet was a lot slower. I think I might have just had my hour a day or whatever it was as a kid on Google or Yahoo, whatever it was. And I see Cristiano uh, Ronaldo gets number seven shirt at Old Trafford. So back then, as a kid, as a 13, 14 year old, whatever, I'm thinking, oh, Ronaldo, number seven, is the Brazilian Ronaldo. I'd never heard of Cristiano Ronaldo. Never heard of him at all. Then you obviously click and think, who's this kid, sort of thing. Then you sort of sort of reading up a little bit and you sort of watch that sporting Lisbon game and you understand the excitement. And then you see that debut against um, Bolton and it, it had everything. It had the number seven shirt. It had the first play you really seen with the white tape or white ankle socks pulled over the outside of the socks. It had everything. It was one of the most, it was the best debut I've seen. I know a lot of people say the Wayne Rooney debut and how could you argue with that a hat-trick in the Champions League? But I'm telling you, that 20 minutes against Bolton, um, the excitement on, the excitement on that field that day was unbelievable. And um, But ultimately, that's what, in terms of what we'll get in, probably just that, just a flash in the pan, a, a, good, a good, exciting winger. You could never see that first performance and think he's going to be the greatest player in the world. You just thought, we've had plenty of wingers like that. Um, and never went on to become the best in the world. Ronaldo did three or four years later. There's so many good moments when we talk about Ronaldo in a Manchester United shirt. And you know what? Obviously, KM will talk about his stats at Real Madrid. Um, but for United, he finishes with 292 appearances, 118 goals. He wins the Premier League. He wins the Champions He won the Premier League on two occasions. He won, he won the Champions League. Like, seriously, this guy was such a good player. That that 7 08 season, I don't know what on earth came of that bloke, but he just he, – he was truthfully something else. And every time he got the ball, 
a freak in nature because he had the ability to get you excited the way a winger does. Like if I were to compare it to someone modern day, let's say Jaden Sancho, that ability, once he gets on the ball, you're on the edge of your seat, but then he just became this lethal goal scorer as well. And like, I've never seen such a complete player. When you talk about pace, agility, dribbling, like his close control, the ability to finish with both feet, long shot, short shot with his head, what a player. And then you think he surely can't get any better than this. Then he goes to Real Madrid. KM, talk about the player coming in, the feeling, what you thought you were signing. And out of all the bloody goals he scored, let me get the stats up here. 451 appear, um, sorry, um, 438 appearances, 451 goals. Ridiculous. Talk, talk, just what do you think, Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> I remember, I remember in 09, uh, before the season started, when there were rumors, you know, I was at, <clears throat> I was talking, I was at school. I remember so clearly talking to my, my Manchester friends, telling them Ronaldo's coming to Madrid and, and the, uh, just denial, just, just denial from 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 my menu fans saying, "This, why would we let him go? How can we let him go?" And and it's kind of the same thing when he left Madrid. It was kind of a bit of denial. As I like, can't believe this guy just left. He's been with us for ten years, um, two hundred and ninety-two games, three hundred and twelve goals. It's so little to say, you know. <laughs> so little to say. So much to say. Um, he was the second Galactico in the second second. Galactico era after Kaká and, and Kaká was one of my favorite players and so I was a bit less excited about Ronaldo personally because I loved Kaká and I was so keen for Kaká to, to play for Madrid um, but we knew like from, from what we knew what he was coming in as he was going to score goals did we know he was going to do what he did I don't think anyone could have predicted he was going to do what he did uh, you know two leagues two cups two super cups two two UEFA super cups four Champions League trophies three club World cup trophies uh, a million Ballon d'Ors uh, you know and, and individual accolades and, and he did it toe to toe against when he first came it was against the best I, I think it was we were playing in the era of the best team that ever played in that Barcelona squad um, I think they were the best you know, most complete 2009, 2011 Barcelona, the most complete team that we would ever watch. Um, I was showing, I was showing Alan uh, not long ago the the final, the Barcelona finals, and just saying this is this is football at its greatest. You know, those those finals, yeah. and unfortunately, it came against your team, but uh, it was just he came in against the best team in the world ever, and still tore it up. And still, and still did what he needed to do. Obviously, all-time Real Madrid top goal scorer. I mean, the the amount of talented players and and strikers, and Real Madrid's always been known as an attacking team. The amount of attackers we've had: OG Ronaldo, Raúl, my favorite player, Figo, Beckham, Zidane, all these guys. And Ronaldo has not just beaten the, the goal scoring records; has blitzed it, has ruined the records, and in less time than a lot of these guys. There's so little to say, but there's so much to say. The guy just did everything. I think, I think at Madrid he was complete. I think he was polished. Uh, at United, I think you know he was very young. He was still coming through. He was he was improving his game. He's still improving, which is ridiculous at his age that he's still getting better. Um, but I think at Real Madrid he was more he was more polished. He was more accomplished. He was more complete. He, you know, he wasn't scoring free kicks every other game. Uh, but besides that, he was doing everything else, left foot, right foot, headers, pens, whatever it was. Um, you needed him to do. You want to dribble past players, dribble past players. 
I think something that people don't take into account in La Liga is that Real Madrid is always versing, is always playing against low team. Unless you're playing, unless you're playing Barca or Sevilla or Valencia, we're playing against a low block, which is really difficult to break down. And I think it's a bit different in the EPL because both, both most most clubs kind of go for it, uh, with the exception of few. But when you're versing teams that are sitting back nine, ten players, doesn't matter how good you are, there's still ten bodies in front of you. And for him to still get those numbers and to break down defenses on. Um, Class, or like you know, that's what best player in the world, or arguably the best player in the world with Messi. Yeah, hard to say anything else. I see the little grin on Tom's face, and I think the reason he has it, we're having a sense of deja vu. You, you talk about sitting against low blocks, that's what United counter every week, <laughs> unless they're <laughs> versing Arsenal or Manchester City. It's it's but United have really struggled with that, so it's it's really interesting to see what we're missing. and. I gotta say, eighty million pounds. You look at it now, bloody hell! Real Madrid got a bargain, and it was the biggest transfer fee at the time too, which is crazy. Um, KM, let me ask you because obviously, so many goals. Is there one that stands out as a Real Madrid fan? Look, the the bicycle against Juve obviously <laughs> was what a goal, right? You know, that's it. Zidane's, you know, Zidane's a bit like, what's going on? Uh, when Zidane's celebrating your goal like that, you know, you scored a good goal. Um, I, I think as a as a as an individual goal, that's probably one of his best. But his 312 goals, it's hard to pick one. Um, as a performance, you know, performances against Barcelona in the cup, in the cup finals, and and whatnot, those always stand out because he just he just turns up. And against Barcelona, we don't want to lose. Um, and he just turns up. So as a, a, an individual goal, it's probably that goal against Juve, and it's probably the goal that actually made him leave. Uh, unfortunately, right? <laughs> his best yeah. goal, and because of it, he's gone because they they appreciated it. Um, but you say eighty million coming in, and, and we sold him for eighty million, <laughs> which is thirty three years old. Uh, ten years later, yeah, we sold the player for mm. the same price he bought him ten years later. I think that was the thing uh, when he left. Like it was almost like the David Beckham thing. Number seven loved him. Cristiano Ronaldo, number seven loved him. And then when it came time to leave, it was. Never, didn't want it to happen. I, I was devastated. But you do look at it and think of the two seasons he just had, well, three seasons even, but especially that last two seasons at United, and you weigh up £80 million, which at the time, yeah, I think now it's, it's almost nothing, but at the time £80 million was was unheard of. And you're thinking, well, look, he's never going to have two seasons like he just did. So you think, okay, as bad as it is, okay, that's hell of a good money, let's get it in. And every single season for 10 years he betted it, which was just unbelievable. Like you it's very easy in hindsight, but at the time you can understand the club's acceptance of that kind of money because you couldn't have you couldn't imagine him going to do, breaking those records for over a decade. It's it's unheard of. Yeah, is, is he the best winger for United? Best United winger. <laughs> I think it's hard to weigh up in terms of Larry. Can you can have your say? But it's it's hard to weigh in terms of ability. You'd have to say yes because he's gone on to become one of the best players in world football ever. So yes, in that category, yes. But then you look at potentially George Best, obviously before our time, but what he achieved. Mm. If I was to say the best winger at United, would be Ryan Giggs because that's a balance of achievement plus ability. But if you're looking at just football and ability, it's hard to argue um, that it wouldn't be Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think it's just one of those things. Like, what what's the best? Is it the best I physically seen with my eyes? Undoubtedly. Because he had everything. He was the most complete player. 
but then you, you have to talk about, and this will come into you. Like if I then asked you, is he the greatest ever Real Madrid player in, in your history? It'll come down to longevity because yeah. as a fan, that's what you, that's what you relate to. Right. Um, and that, that, that's what builds that emotional connection to a player. You always have this argument with everyone. What defines a legend? And I think legend is just an emotional feeling that it's a, it's a, a fan connects with the player. So let me ask you that. Is, is Cristiano Ronaldo Real Madrid's greatest ever player? 100%. Without it, you know, as much as, you know, Raul is, you know, my favourite ever player. Figo was one of my, my favourite players. Zizou and OG Ronaldo. But I think without a doubt and with no argument, I don't think any Real Madrid fan would argue with me on it, is definitely easiest, the easiest best player that we've ever had. What's the, I would ask you, KM, okay, and I agree with you, I respect that opinion, but what's the treatment of Ronaldo? Because Man United fans, we still sing about him every single week. But with Real Madrid, and this is looking from the outside, there's a perception sometimes when he was there that, okay, they did love him because of obviously the goals that he brings, but one bad performance. And obviously I understand the Real Madrid fan base is very demanding, but it seemed they very easily turned on Ronaldo, which just would not happen at Manchester United. So I'm just thinking what's the almost the relationship like between Ronaldo and the fans at the moment? Yeah, I, well, right now it's it's complete love. Like the the amount of fan pages I'm part of and frustratingly part of sometimes, <laughs> it's, you know, we're still, there's still messages and, and, and comments and, and posts about bring back Ronaldo and Ronaldo this, Ronaldo this, what, you know, what are we going to do? We're still trying to figure out how to get past what, what we're going to do with Ronaldo gone. It's It's been a few years now. He left in, in, in 18. So it's been three years. We're still trying to figure out how to replace Ronaldo, which, which you can't. Um, at the time, a bad performance, definitely you're getting criticised uh, from from the wider group. I think the issue, I think the issue of Real Madrid fan base, and I definitely have an issue with it. I think Larry seen some of my comments on some pages. It's because of the club, and United's probably the same, but the global status of the club. Mm. I think you're getting opinions from every Tom, Dick and Harry that has no idea. You know, as I have never watched the sport or have no clue what's going on, and you're getting opinions, and when you get into these little debates, I think I'm a, I think every single player that's ever played for Madrid, no matter it was Raul Casillas, you know, club legends, and, and you know, their statues should be built for these guys. When they had performances, there were there were boos and there were people jeering. It's kind of the norm. I, mean, I think I don't I don't like it personally. I hate it. Uh, I'm one kind of fan that will always protect and support a player, even Gareth Bale, despite the whole Gareth Bale saga. You know, I've tried to kind of support him as you can. I think it's it's very it happens very often at Madrid, and I think guys are used to it. Uh, they just kind of know it's part of the package when you play for Madrid, unfortunately. But the current the current towards Ronaldo is 100% love. Uh, I haven't seen one one person one post saying otherwise. Hmm. Oh, Tom, he's been so sensible. I, I think I have to say as, as breath defying, and I think it's almost a different Ronaldo, the one that leaves Real Madrid compared to the one that goes to Real Madrid and left United. But you have to say Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo, as good as Man United Ronaldo was, he was something else for Real Madrid. Oh, look, at the end of the day, numbers don't lie, <laughs> and you just look at what he won at man, uh, what he won at Real Madrid. So, look, it's an easy answer. I think in the, it's even easier than the David Beckham one. However, and again, KM would have a different view to me. Um, any Real Madrid fan would have a different view. But when I mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, 
I see him in a red shirt. I see him in that 2007-2008 kit. I don't picture Ronaldo as my first instinct in a white Real Madrid kit. I see him as a Man United legend first. Now, obviously, in the, the wider picture of football, yes, it's Real Madrid. Is he a Man United legend? <laughs> hey, no arguments from me, but you, you, like KM said, global fan base, there are some that would say, well, he spent four years at the club. Does that define a legend? Yeah, some would say most, no. They're the four most successful years in the club's history. No arguments from me. Um, guys, I think this has been a really belting chat. KM, what we might do, I haven't spoken to you about this personally, but I'll put pressure on you since the camera's here. We want to get you back on because we need to talk about Rafael Varane. I want to talk about what this player was to Real Madrid and we want to sort of dissect what, what's he actually going to bring to United because we've seen uh, we've seen Ole Gunnar Solskjaer come out and say, this is this signing is going to change the way we play. So I'll, I'll let you – so I'm putting you under pressure, but we're going to have you back on. There's no yes or no here, but I'm, I'm going to – I want your help to dissect what are we actually getting. So please make sure you're free during the week. I will annoy you for that. But, boys, it's been a belting chat. No, enjoyed it very much. Uh, appreciate KM coming on. It's uh, good to have a different side of things. Um, we don't often talk about Real Madrid. It's always Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, City. There'll be Leeds in a few weeks. Um, it's hard to, we, Real Madrid are, the, I would say, the second biggest club in the world behind Man United. You might have a different opinion, but <laughs> for, the, for, for a club of that size, we never really talk about what well, we talk about these smaller clubs and smaller clubs in City and Chelsea sort of thing <laughs> to death. We never talk about the other biggest clubs in the world in regards to Real Madrid and Barcelona. Absolutely. Yeah, Cam- sure. I, I appreciate oh, it, boys. It's, uh, yeah, I was just going to say thank you. It was, uh, it was actually quite enjoyable, obviously, uh, talking about something different from my day job. So it's, uh, <laughs> so it's quite quite good. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. I will definitely be on for the for that Varane chat. 100%. Good man. Happy to do it. Um, KM, you, you said you, you you are talking something away from your day job. Can you please tell some of our listeners about your day job? Because it, it impacts all of us every day. So I think I think it is something that you should definitely let our listeners listen to or hear about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Larry, uh, for the for the sneaky plug. Um, I guess yeah. So I, I run a property buyers agency business, which um, which means we help people buy property. So we're the opposite of real estate agents. So it's called First Brick Property Buyers Agency. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok, and whatever social media platform there is, except for Twitter. Um, and yeah, we just we we talk about real estate and the and the economics of the country and, and the global economics. So we have a podcast as well, called the First Brick Property Podcast. Nothing to do with soccer or football. It's all about property and, and numbers and real estate and economics. So if you're interested, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. All right, awesome, and we'll leave that in the description below, lads. It's been a cracking podcast. I'm hope you, I hope you both enjoyed it. I really enjoyed ripping into Angel Di Maria and Michael Owen. That was probably my highlight. But until then, stay safe in lockdown, lads. And uh, yeah, we'll chat next week. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys.